Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Ah, yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. I want to tell you about Inside Tracker. This is ultra personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, as well as lifestyle and fitness tracking to help you optimize your body and reach health goals. Inside Tracker transforms body data into true knowledge. Founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard, Inside Tracker's mission is to improve the health span of people everywhere so they can enjoy longer, healthier lives adding life to their years and years to their life. Using science and technology, they deliver ultra-personalized guidance. Each recommendation is backed by rigorously reviewed science and linked to published peer-reviewed scientific research publications. It's not just normal biomarker zones. The optimal biomarker zones is what you can figure out with the DNA, blood, fitness tracking, giving you real-time, complete picture of your health and wellness. I want you to go to insidetracker.com slash Drew. Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store if you just go to Inside Tracker. It's one word, Inside Tracker, T R A C K E R.com slash Drew. Everybody, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, Chris, Chris Maxipata helped me out today. Gary, um, I, well, we did this sort of uh, retreating on Gary, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> he would have done this if he could. We just decided yeah. we'd cheat. And the reason I'm saying I'm bringing this up is not just the fact that we're cheating on Gary. I've not heard the intro music in about eh, three years. Gary doesn't play it for me. He just he yeah, layers I, it in I edit all the shows after the fact, uh, and I always put it in post. But, uh, you know, I got you here. It's me I and like you. It. Let's, I like it. I dig it. I always love that music, and I haven't heard it forever, and it <laughs> inspires me. So it makes me – gives me the head of steam coming into this show. Um, again, keep the uh, wind and the sail of the Corolla Pirate Ship. Support the people who support us. Um, we've had some great, uh, really interesting uh, sponsors lately. So please uh, do give them a look and support them if you possibly can so we can keep doing this thing. And uh, do check me out on Instagram, Dr. Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Drew Pinsky, uh, TikTok at Dr. Drew, Twitter, of course, same thing. And we do a streaming show at drdrew.tv at least three days a week. In fact, uh, as we record this, I'll be talking to Bill Shatner today uh, as soon as we finish up here uh, at the Coral Enterprises. Uh, should be kind of interesting. I got a million questions for him. I, I become, because of my, Adam and my preoccupation with uh, Love Boat, I have, <laughs> you're laughing already, but. I have become interested in aging actors and actresses, and where you know where they where they go to die, so to speak, and how they manage their careers. And things. it's yeah. kind of interesting. Okay, and Adam started me reading about all the different people who were on the guest stars on Love Boat, and I've been down these rabbit holes with yeah. people now. And I went down one with Joan Fontaine now and Richard Basehart, and I was thinking, oh my god, Joan Fontaine lived to like ninety six, and here she is. And the other thing that's crazy as hell. Is on oh here comes Gary here I think Gary's coming here <laughs> so uh, on the 
on the show. Don't be confused, Gary. We just we're just cheating on you. Relax. You just walk. You just walked into the bedroom, and I'm here with somebody else. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I had time. I finished at my office early, and uh, Chris offered. And we thought we'd just take some calls. Sound okay? You okay with that? You go with I that? Suppose. All right, good. We didn't want you to find you out. You can like do this. the same thing. We'll have an open relationship. You can take calls someday with Chris, too, if you want. So. You're going to walk in on me and Susan podcast. <laughs> uh, so, um, and Chris, put out, put out another blast, too, by the way. Let's get some calls in here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so so I I was watching Joan Fontaine last night preparing for uh, an Adam and Drew show. And uh, looked at her age, and uh, she was my age at the time. She looks 75. Uh, and Richard Basehart, maybe two years older than me, looked 85. And I thought, wow, aging is different now. Uh, and what people do in media is different now. I just had a million thoughts that I, I'm going to bring up with Adam with one of the upcoming shows. But again, we just thought we'd get some calls here and uh, spend a little time with you guys. So we appreciate you guys calling us in. Uh, and did I get everything out there I wanted to plug and et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. All right. Let's talk to Christine. Hi, Christine. What's going on? Hi, I just wanted to call and say I'm thrilled to be on the show with you and a big fan. Thank you. But I just um, wanted to put out there is that the thought kind of occurred to me, given the uh, super spreader event of the Dems flying on their private plane with their Miller Lite to uh, Washington, D.C., supposedly all vaccinated and then everybody's coming down with COVID. My thought was just are they did they lie? Have they just totally lied to everybody that they were vaccinated? Interesting question. I, I've been wondering that of uh, Dr. Walensky, who made this big uh-huh. deal about getting vaccinated and going to camp and then saying, but my son's not going to camp. And I thought, oh, she's telling us she's not going to get him vaccinated, which is interesting. Right. So right. Let, let's – I mean the vaccine topic is very complicated, right? I mean it's it's nuanced mm-hmm. and it's difficult and I, I had the vaccine. I, I think we should be getting vaccinated. But I also think people should have informed consent and make their own decision. And I'm afraid that they're not getting – I'm afraid even I'm not getting all the information I need to give people informed consent. And in their attempt – and you know, I don't, I'm not going to lay blame at the – I'm laying the blame at the feet of bureaucracy. Bureaucracy to me is the enemy in all of this. And, I, and the more I see about the misadventures of the last year, the more I keep thinking, why did we – why did we turn this over to bureaucrats? They, they can't do this stuff. They don't know how to do this. But we did. Right. And, and the vaccine safety is something we turned over to bureaucrats. And my fear is – here's my fear. My, my fear is that they're obfuscating the data uh, in the attempt to reduce vaccine hesitancy. And what they do when they obscure data is increase vaccine hesitancy. What, what they don't seem to get, what they don't seem to get, is the problem is trust right now. No one can trust information, doctors, the medical system, the government. There's so much in, in distrust that that's what's fueling the vaccine hesitancy more than anything else. So literally, they could do two things, in my opinion, that would increase the, the penetrance of vaccines. And by the way. Bad things will happen. That's just the way doctors – that's what we do as doctors. We do bad things to people to prevent worse things. I, that's just – look at chemotherapy. Look at an, certain antibiotics. And we just – everything we do can go horribly wrong. But we are trying to treat stuff that's worse. And, and believe me, you don't want, you don't want COVID. It's, if you're over 30, you don't want it. If you're under 30, it's a whole different conversation and it's a different set of decision-making sort of inputs. But – oh, we lost Christine. She dropped off. 
Are you still? Hang on a second. I yeah, think, I think she, she dropped. dropped off. All right, so let me kind of finish my my thought. Um, which is um, the more open and transparent they can be, the more people are likely to take the vaccine because it's going to be okay. It's not going to be. It's going to be some nasty stuff the way everything that we do as doctors, but it's going to be very, very low risk as compared to the risk of COVID. But there's another really more important thing that people have got to contemplate, which is more variants will come, and they have the potential to be worse if we allow this thing to continue to replicate. And unfortunately, the vaccine is yeah, – there's two ways to go about it. Let everyone get COVID and get natural immunity and really focus on early treatment. We're not really doing that. That would mean lots of monoclonal antibodies. Hopefully, there's a Merck antiviral coming up that is going to make a big difference in the early treatment of COVID. might change this whole decision-making process entirely. But in the meantime, we all have an obligation to take a little risk to reduce the transmission and the reproducing the reproduction of this virus so as to reduce the risk of variants. Now, people who want to argue the vaccine doesn't work. Um, the UK data is what most people point at. That's AstraZeneca. That's not our vaccines. And I've seen a lot of breakthrough. I've seen a, a bit of it. Is Christina online too now? Is that what's happened? Okay. So, uh, Christine, I got you back. I'm 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 going okay. on still about your topic. Um, that's that's okay. My yeah. point was though, if this vaccine or if these vaccines are actually effective, how can these vaccinated people be a super spreader event? Right. So that's a great question. So, uh, although they haven't given us the data on what happened there, uh, if you get the vaccine, you can get the virus. There's no doubt about it. I've seen a lot of breakthrough, and it is mm-hmm. extraordinarily mild. Super duper mild, uh, sore throat, runny nose, that kind of thing. That's about it. And if you have the the virus and the vaccine, you have the vaccine and you've broken through, you're not going to transmit it to somebody else who's had the vaccine. It's just not going to happen. In fact, it's not even clear that people who've been vaccinated who get infect, infected are even infectious at all, even to unvaccinated people. But let's assume they are, just for the sake of argument. The the okay. ability of a vaccinated person to spread is very, very limited. To your point, Christine, to your point. Uh, so we don't know. You know, We don't know what they've right. done or not done. We also don't know how sick they were. That's the other thing, which is that if you have the vaccine and get Delta – you're not going to be hospitalized. I mean, it's just really rare, right. really super rare. Right. Uh, and so what are we really worrying about except spreading to unvaccinated people? Did you see what they just did in France? Did you see what just I happened? I have not, no. So Macron, I think that's, who's that's the president right now, got in and said, uh, from now on, uh, I'm sorry, but if you're unvaccinated, you can't move around, you can't work, you've got to wear a mask, and we can't have everyone else bearing the burden of the unvaccinated. And I, I don't – I. I'm fascinated by that move. I don't think it's the, the right move, but I understand it. I understand why he did it. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I I have to go with your your constitutional rights. I can't speak for France because I don't I don't right. understand. So it's, it's not, it wouldn't be the right thing. But, right. but for us, that would not be the right. It thing. would not be the right thing to do. Right? It'd be okay for an employer no, to do that. That's what they want to do. Not be a good thing for the government to do. I'd say. Um, right. And and, to, and and I I had COVID in October of 2019. Yeah. So the fact that they're saying this showed up in February of 2020 is is it again a total lie. Interesting. Well, there is a lot of data that is being um, not presented. Let's put it this way. In, in a year, a lot of things are going to look a lot different. 
And, and uh-huh. one of my fears is um, some of the vaccine reactions are going to look a lot different because you're going to see the data fully and people are going to be pissed that they didn't know it now. And uh, yeah. that's one of my grave, grave concerns right now. So there's all kinds of stuff yeah. to be concerned about. Uh, it's it's very nuanced. It's all over the place. I still – I have friends that are mad at me for coming down on the side of vaccine. I still think it's worth the risk. I still think we have an obligation to do it. But I absolutely understand people that choose not to do it. Under 30, it's a very – it's a much more difficult uh, – much more difficult uh, decision. It's much more difficult because obviously the risk to the individual is very slight, but it's the same risk to the group, right? If they're if they get infected and reproduce the virus. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. no, I don't. If if you want the vaccine, get the vaccine. That's your choice. My yeah. body, my choice. Yeah. Right? What happened to that? Where's that? I, you know what? A friend of mine, a friend days. of mine, put that on Twitter and got ex. Excoriated for that, which is really interesting. <laughs> I, 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 I found I, I would have put it. I wouldn't see anything wrong with that, but but apparently that's not an okay thing to say right now. But there there is a little more. Yeah. There's a little more to it, which is that if you don't get the vaccine, you are letting this thing replicate. You are increasing the probability of a variant, and you are putting all of us at some risk. Now, it may not be worth it to you to put yourself at risk to suppress that, or if you think about it, maybe it is. So that's up to the individual too. Thanks, Christine. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye bye. Uh, Oh, this is the kind of the same question from uh, Sean. What's going on, Sean? Hey, how you doing, Doctor Drew? Good. What's up, buddy? Uh, I um, I was wondering, how do you do? Do you believe with the unvaccinated, it's going to get worse before it gets better? Even though we have a nice amount of the population that's already vaccinated, it's going to get worse. But I think the really the question you're asking is how much worse. And, and I yeah, don't. Yeah, and I don't have a. If it went over forty thousand, if it goes over sixty thousand, even it gets to sixty thousand cases a day, I'll be really surprised. I'll be really mm-hmm. surprised if it goes. It stays much over forty. I'll be really surprised. But that's a lot of people still. And uh, yeah. and it's a lot of. And you know, as I was just talking to Christine, what, what troubles me more than anything, that's a lot of replication of the virus. And the more it replicates, the more it can turn into a bad variant. And that's. That's how we're going to get in trouble with this thing. Uh, and, you know, and to be fair, as usual, uh, the United States is trying to, you know, shoulder the whole responsibility for this. But the reality is, if you look at other countries that have had some of the other vaccines, those vaccines aren't really working in other countries. I, I have a, a, a really strong sort of sense that a lot of the UK data is because of the AstraZeneca vaccine. So we're well vaccinated here. And you might argue that we even put ourselves at higher risk. Maybe we risk more side effects in order to protect the world. But the world yeah. is doing its part. They're getting sick with uh, breakthroughs uh, on vaccines that are not that good. So there you go. What do you think? Yeah. And see, and see, uh, not not only that. I the way the way I'm looking at it is is like it, it's just so much of the unknown. Yep. Like, are we going to need a booster? Yeah. Like, like you, you know what I mean? It's just like it, it's it, it puts us in a position. To where it, it goes down to just like uh, you were talking to the previous lady before and said, okay, uh, uh, we need to take the vaccine, but how are we going to actually know of the people who who actually don't take it? You know right. what I mean? That's right. That's exactly There's right. There's no way for us to know. There's There are ways, but it'd be terribly expensive and they're not going to do it. They're, I mean, they're just not. And, and yeah, we, very and invasive so, ways. So, 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 yeah. So here are two things I'm looking for. Here, here's the good news. The good news is there are going to be more available, cheaper, more rapidly available testing, right? So mm-hmm. we'll be able to identify people more quickly that have it. 
number one. Number two, we're going to have an antiviral drug within the next two months. Uh, India is fighting hard to get it approved right now because it, the data looks good. Now, it's not, mm-hmm. a, it's not a panacea. It's not like you know penicillin for strep or something. It's just not going to magically go away, but it's pretty damn good. And so yeah. when that hits, I think this whole decision-making is going to change. And, uh, now, what do you, now, now do, you think, do you think they're going to try a lockdown again? Oh, my God. I, if they do, I don't think people are going to tolerate it. I don't know how they enforce it. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be able to ha- I don't think they can do it again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, yeah. I don't know how, I'm surprised England is doing as much as they are, frankly. I mean, I'm just shocked. But I, And, and yeah. by the way, I'm not convinced lockdown – I'm still – lockdown did what it was supposed to do, was flatten the curve. It did not. Mm-hmm. It did not change the the total transmission of virus. It seems to me. Now I could be wrong, but it seems to me it just delayed things so you could figure out what was going on. And if you remember when we finally had the surge around Christmas time, it was massive. We had a massive surge, and, it was not, and that was yeah. in the face of lockdown. And yeah. lockdown has killed and and caused untold misery to millions. And that has got to be taken into account now. Finally, vitamin like, vi- vitamin D deficient. And it, you know, just it just just a bunch of stuff. But thank you, Doctor Drew. All right, buddy, John. Thanks for calling, man. All right, see you. Right. Talk to you soon. I hope. The Doctor Drew podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You've heard me talk about them before. I refer patients, family. I've been very impressed with the services and professionals that you can access there. And the COVID tunnel, you know, we can see the light at the end. People are still, though, feeling down. A lot of emotional and mental health aftermath of lockdowns and COVID. You may not be feeling depressed or you may not be at a total loss, but if you're feeling off or your relationships aren't working, it's a sign that you might need to see somebody. Of course, using substances, that's another sign. Whether you're feeling anxious, struggling with your career, having trouble sleeping, changing your appetite, trouble functioning at work, online therapy can help. Visit betterhelp.com slash Drew and you will fill out a questionnaire to help the BetterHelp assess your needs and match you with a professional licensed therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours via secure weekly video, phone, or even live chat sessions with your therapist. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great matches, so it's easy and free to change counselors if you need a better fit. Online therapy is convenient and more affordable than in-person therapy. And our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash Drew. That is better, H-E-L-P.com slash D-R-E-W slash Drew. Betterhelp.com slash Drew. Well, of course, insurance doesn't always cover the full cost of almost anything, especially an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with copay, deductibles, Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you are away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen, and AMCN membership is is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Dr. Drew podcast listener, you will get up to a $50 e-gift card. When you join, simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com. That's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use offer code Drew. And this is uh, Amy. We're going down a different path. Amy, what's up? 
Well, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Here we are. Um, hi. Hey, <laughs> Thank you for being so available. Of course. Here we are. What's um, happening? Okay. I got some... I got a Master of Science in Forensic Psychology yeah. in an attempt to prove my own sanity. Mm. And as it turns out, there's no legal definition of sanity. Correct. Um, no one can prove they're sane. And, 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 it, the, and definition of insanity is completely divorced from the clinical reality of you know, what we might call insane. Yeah, but understanding that anyone with a mental disorder is socially seen as not sane, yes. it means you're disordered. Now, the thing that gets me about psychology, and this is the reason I wanted to talk to you specifically, yeah. um, because you're very involved in 12-step programs, uh-huh. and um, the major difference that I noticed is that 12-step pr- programs require a belief in a higher power, yeah. and that opposes psychology. Psychology believes the individual is all-powerful and responsible for their reality. Um, Um, And in fact, praying to beings, talking to spirit, is seen as a symptom of mental disorder. So 12-step programs in psychology oppose each other, and psychology has infiltrated 12-step now. These people trying to get sober are all drugged. They're all on pharmaceutical drugs yeah, so psychi- for being psych- disordered. Psychiatry has, has uh, infiltrated, as it often does, uh, the sober community. But so, so let's talk about higher power and praying. So um, yes, in some groups and in some situations, the higher power concept is, is a religious or God concept and includes praying to somebody. That is not how 12-step is intended to be practiced. If somebody wants to go that way, they're at their liberty to do so if that works for them. Hold up, hold up. I'm not talking about praying to somebody. I'm saying that I'm the other. I'm not you. I'm saying that the law of attraction and the secret is is psychology BS. Uh, There's an interaction. I'm the other. And you and I are contained in all that is. In my opinion, God is all that is. So uh, it's not about okay, let, praying let, to let some me. guy. It's about believing in other people. Correct. It's about allowing existence other than yourself. Okay. And psychology Correct. goes into 12 step and drugs all these people. It is just insidious and not helping humanity. Well, and, you, and you, keep honestly, saying, you keep saying psychology. Psychologists can't prescribe. So you're talking about uh, right, physicians. Right, right. They, psycho- about- psycho- they got psychiatrist friends like you where they say, oh, this yeah. person has this disorder. Can you give, you know, can you see him for one session? Yeah. And then the psychiatrist sees him for one session and gives him a drug according right. to the disorder that the psychologist recommended. Right, maybe. So I, I get what you're saying. What we're, you're doing semantics or whatever it's called. You're but, distracting. But so... I don't disagree with anything you're saying, so let's go back to the concept of higher power and how it's supposed to be practiced. The, the problem with addicts and alcoholics is they are very controlling and they have a they – have, they, can't, they can't stop controlling their environment. They can't stop focusing out there and trying to manipulate things and we are trying to get them just to stop doing that. And right, the way, right, and the right. Way, so hold up. But step one – Belief in a power greater than yourself. Correct. And once you do that, you can't be self-obsessed. If you really, if you, if you believe, if you really know that you are not the center of the universe. Correct. That's all it's about. Then, it's about- then, 
and psychology depends on that belief that you are the center. Mm. You are self-obsessed, you're OCD, you're, you're, what's that one, the odd. You're against authority. So some, here's another drug. For some and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a bad way of looking at humanity. I'm wondering if we can't focus on positive aspects. I mean, I'm all for mental health, but uh, uh, giving people with a liberal arts degree the power to define anyone they want is disordered based on multivariable manipulated confidence interval statistics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's sick it's set right. 90% of psychology oh, gosh so so yeah it's so set people, people do up it's set gossip up so you, it, it's gossip the study of human behavior is gossip well if you look at the dsm you know, five. It, it's re- it's really designed to be able to set up categories for research, right? And so, treatment is always depend- statistical hang on, research. Hang on, no, no. Stat- you're no. okay. Hold on. I got to say one thing before you talk about the psychological studies. Um, there's three things, three foundational things. I wrote this down because it's one sentence. Psychological opinion erroneously and willfully denies three foundational laws in math, statistics, and critical thinking to sell its dogma. Number one, well, you're, you're, humans you're, you're are not... Con- you're I'm sorry. Conf- you're I'm confusing, so, I'm just, I'm you're so confusing excited doctors. to be heard. You're confusing, Thank you, sir. Sure. You're confusing doctors and psychologists. Okay. So, so, uh, right, so here on, is how... Do- let's just, no, no, no. Psychological I, opinion. Okay, we were taught... I'm putting you on hold. So here's how doctors think. Doctors try to find a constellation of symptoms that have a con- – listen to <laughs> me. Listen to me. If you don't stop talking, I'm going to hang up on you. Ready? I'm going to put you back on. You're going to listen. Uh, are you ready to listen or am I going to hang up on you? You ready? Oh, please don't Okay, hang up. so sorry, just listen. So the way physicians work in all disease states is we find a common genetics and a common biology that are reflected in a – a cluster of signs and symptoms. That's, what about DNA that's, proved us all unique? That's, How is there that's common medicine. genetics? We're unique. That's, well, then medicine doesn't exist. So you're well, saying no, disease. No, no, there's physical things. So, okay. I mean, if, so, if my so let's arm talk gets about, off, let's talk about how medicine works. The hole. Let's talk about how medicine works. Medicine is common. Okay, but common, psychology's not medicine. Psychology's correct. a liberal arts. You're a doctor. I have you're no not opinion. A I have you no are opinion. A medical doctor. I have no opinion on psychology, but you're taking issue with diagnosis. And I want to, oh. and I want to emphasize about how diagnosis works. Diagnosis must have a common genetics, a common biology, and a cluster of signs and symptoms that reflect that common genetics and biology and possibly an inciting environmental, common inciting environmental influence. So you have gene environment, specific biology, definable, specific pathophysiology that creates signs and symptoms. That's it. That's medicine. And we try to change that pathophysiology in a good way. We call that treatment. But if you don't have a specific genetic commonality triggering an abnormal physiology, you do not have a diagnosis, you do not have a treatment. You might have a syndrome, which is a a complicated uh, uh, array of biologies that manifest similarly, and it's possible you could come up with some treatments that are common, like hypertension is a syndrome. That is not a diagnosis. That is a syndrome. Essential hypertension 
is kind of a syndrome too. It has multiple different biologies associated, but you can define that. And you can treat hypertension, all causes of hypertension, with common pharmacology, even though you don't have a specific diagnosis. So it's possible to treat syndromes with pharmacology, common pharmacologies. But diagnosis is always founded on reproducible, specific biological processes. And if you don't have that, you don't have, you don't have anything to go by. And you're right. Then you're just using statistics and you're just analyzing clusters and things like that. And, and, you, and then the big problem with psychology, of course, is they can't reproduce the data. So yeah, they no have a massive problem. No, no repeating. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or repeating. They yeah. can, no, you can't even repeat a moment in time. So yeah. You can't replicate it either. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I thank you for clarifying um, because you are medical. You are a physician. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I appreciate your, your perspective. Um, just real quick, yeah. uh, for the liberal art of psychology, yeah. the way we diagnose people, yes, um, it's it it violates foundational laws in math, statistics, and critical thinking. First, humans aren't mathematically equivalent. Human behavior, our thoughts, our thought patterns, are unique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first one in math. We're not equivalent. The second one. It's an error in statistics. Correlation is not causation. Mm-hmm. That's for, that that, that and, and plus, by the way, you're not even addressing all the assumptions upon which oh. some of that material has been studied. The assumptions and, are usually and then here's, way out. The last one, though, real quick, yeah. is that there's an error in critical thinking called affirming the consequent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what the liberal art liberal artists. You know, I didn't take a science class, not a single science class, hmm. for my Master of Science. Crazy. By the way, I prefer to identify as Mistress of Science. Oh, that's hysterical. Um, in forensic psychology, you would think there would be, I mean, there was a biological psychology class in my bachelor's degree with, like, you know, what was that guy who had the spike in his head? That's all we freaking learned about. Phil- the rest Phileas is all Gage. liberal art opinion. It's all opinion. Phileas it's, Gage. It's, right? It's Phil- destroying... 12-step programs. People aren't sober anymore. Oh, man, you're right um, on that. And and I don't – and I think, you know, there's a – and I think honest psychologists w- would agree with you about the weaknesses. And, and they're trying to struggle with it. In terms of how it's influencing 12-step, I've been through so many cycles of 12-step being infected too much by professionals and, and ruining some of the process. You have no idea. Watch – follow a guy named Keith Humphreys at Stanford. Keith okay. is the best advocate I know of. He's a he's a scientist, and he is the best advocate I know of for really looking at the relationship between twelve step and the clinical world and sciences. Amy, I have to move. I appreciate that call very very much. Well done, thank you, Amy. Tyler, go ahead. Hey, Doctor Drew. Hey. Thanks for uh, thanks for everything you do, you and bet. thanks for taking my call. You betcha, buddy. Uh, I have a quick question. So, my wife recently had COVID. Um, and I, I'm vaccinated. I had very mild symptoms. Uh, she a little more flu-like for a couple of days, lost her taste and smell. Uh, we have a two-year-old son. He got cranky for a few days, so we're not quite sure if he had it or not. My question kind of revolves around this new push for possible vaccine passports and everything. Uh. Do you think she's immune for the time being with the antibodies or in, in kind of how do we solve this as a country to where? I know. 
I know. It's 50% of the people are vaccinated, but clearly more have antibodies. I know. Well, here's the way the antibody thing breaks down is that 30% of people lose those antibodies very quickly, 30% lose them over three months, and 30% keep them. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be in the group that kept them. Now, amongst those who lose the humoral or the blood-borne immunity of antibodies, it's a little less clear how much cellular immunity is left behind, meaning the memory in the B cell and T cell line that that gives the body the opportunity or the potential to respond vigorously if it sees the agent again. And the the data keeps coming in that it's looking better and better and better, even though you don't have humoral immunity per se. It's easy to point at people like me that have humoral immunity and go, look, you still got it. I mean, the B cell, T cell line must, must also be there. And that's probably true. But those that lose it, what do we do with them? Should they be revaccinated? Should I not have gotten a vaccine? I got a vaccine. I had a terrible reaction to it. I knew I was putting myself at risk, but I wanted to travel. And the only way I could travel to certain countries was if I got the damn vaccine. So I don't know, Tyler. I don't know what to tell you. One of the things to do is get fancy antibody screens. I got this thing called an Attitick score, which I actually had just drawn again today to see what my antibodies are doing. And that is a – it's a cellular assessment, a B-cell assessment, and a humoral immunity assessment against multiple antibodies, multiple different antigens rather. So you know, what should she do? What, what is it she wants to do that she doesn't feel she can do if she gets vaccinated? She's worried about the passports? Well, that's one thing is just traveling. Yeah. Um, I think that the biggest thing really that uh, we plan on – having another child in the near future. Uh, so she's kind of been, been thinking about that a lot. Yeah. It's a very, if you're, is she your age? She's in her mid thirties. Yep. 32. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting decision. It's a personal decision. I, I, if I were her, me personally, I would probably do it, but I have a low threshold for hassle. I don't want to be hassled. I want to be free to move about. Uh, I know it's risky, but all right, I'll take the risk. And oh, by the way, maybe I'll help reduce the uh, replication of this virus along the way. Though it is it is truly less clear with people that have had COVID. It's, it's less clear. If I were, by the way, distributing the vaccine, I would not give it to people that had COVID and I'd send it to other countries that need the vaccine. But we're not doing that. So let, let, her, let her make the decision. These are very personal decisions, okay? Yep. All right, Tyler. Thanks so much. And and my fear is we're going to see more you know, when the data really comes out. This, we can't do informed consent yet because we don't know the full spectrum of – we don't have the data yet on the adverse reactions. It's really not clear yet what that is. Marie wasn't getting enough sleep. Every night she struggled with poor sleep, restless legs. But then she made a small change, and one month later, everything was better. All because she started taking Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers, the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. Marie left a five-star rating saying, I'd give this 100 stars if I could. Within one month of use, I went from daily struggles with restless legs, constipation, poor sleep, to no struggles with any of that. I know it sounds dramatic and far-fetched, but it is true. And Marie is not the only one getting better sleep after taking Magnesium Breakthrough. Amanda says, quote, I fall asleep much faster and stay asleep now until normal waking hours. You have a customer for life. And Bill says, quote, on the first night of taking Magnesium Breakthrough, my deep sleep jumped up to two hours, which has been the highest reading so far from my Oura Ring. 
Listen, if you're having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, one of the best things you can do is start by getting enough magnesium. It's simple. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only two of the cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they may not fix your magnesium deficiency or then may not help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I'm suggesting Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed how much better you sleep. Magnesium is known to help sleep, and how much more rested you'll feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Drew. Use code Dr. Drew 10 during checkout to save 10%. That is magbreakthrough.com slash DREW and use the code DRDREW, Dr. Drew 10 at checkout to save 10%. Dealdash.com. I was looking at it the other day. I've heard people save a lot of money and it's almost astonishing. I mean, they have auctions on a crazy wide variety of quality products. People winning them at shocking prices. So here's the question. How much can you save at deal-dot-com? Well, that's up to you. Some people save 80%, some 90 I've seen 99%. And really, the only way to find out how much you can save is to visit deal-dot-com today. Use promo code DREW for 100 free bids with your first purchase. That is deal-dot-com. Promo code D-R-E-W to get 100 free bids and see how much you can save. Again, that's DealDash.com. DealDash, where deals come true. You've heard me talk about Get Roman. They can get you a free online evaluation, ongoing care for erectile dysfunction without the waiting room, the uncomfortable office visits, the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan for you. If medication is appropriate, they will, of course, get it to you and ship it for free with two-day shipping. Whole process is straightforward, discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash Drew and complete the online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete the online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Why not? This is inefficiency. It is time to use the internet to take care of this simple matter. Go to GetRoman.com. G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N, GetRoman.com slash Drew. Now you'll get $15 off your first month. It really is time to take care of your ED. And remember, get started today and you'll save $15 on your first order of ED treatment. Joe, what's up? Hey, Dr. Drew. Uh, hope you're having a great day. Hey, man, what's up? Uh, yeah. I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about fears and mental health. Yeah. Um, and, and so... I want to ask, you know, about um, what I really want to ask you is something personal for me. So obviously, you know, I, I mean, I've been on I've been on a dose of Dr. Drew enough times to tell, tell everyone that I have anxiety with COVID. Mm. But but one thing I've noticed is that one of my great fears now, um, I've also talked about me being a meteorologist yeah. and I've had concern i've always had a fear of thunderstorms and because of loud noises and stuff like that Mm -hmm. well covid essentially eliminated that and what i want to ask you is about dominance of fear oh that's interesting um yeah i mean like right now i can go in the middle you know i mean we're having a thunderstorm right now in in my area i think joe what what it is is a form of exposure therapy I think that somehow I, – I don't know that exposure experts would think of it this way, but it makes sense to me that it's almost like you were exposed to a severe thunderstorm. 
making an average thunderstorm seem no big deal. It's it's like your body adjusted to the more significant threat and real threat of COVID. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I, I also I also think me also looking at numbers and data also showed that I have less of a chance of dying in a lightning by right, a lightning strike. Right, right. COVID. That's good because you're a rationalist. But but as you know, you know, reasoning people out of fear and and phobias doesn't work. You can't talk them out of it. I really think it's exposure to this, you know, this sort of overwhelming concern that you have about COVID that made the other concern sort of shrink. Um, but my issue is, like, I have no idea how to, you know, it's one thing in a thunderstorm because you kind of know it's coming. Yeah. But you have no idea, you know, COVID's ever coming. Because it's this, it's this mysterious boogeyman that's flying around. And if we could just get right. you vaccinated, <laughs> I think it would help a lot. Um where are you falling with that now? I know you have idiopathic thrombocytopenia purpura, so yeah, I'm still uh, not with the mar- with the vaccines on the market. Still not getting it. So you're thinking about the the um, Novavax when that comes out? That is correct. All right, all right, and, well, and, and quite frankly, I've been saying that since December. Yeah, well, I thought it would come out sooner myself, but so I'm surprised it hasn't. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a problem with it, or if the I'm beginning to be concerned that the FDA as a bureaucracy is just overwhelmed and not doing their job, because they should have full approval of Pfizer by now, and they haven't got it. And what the hell? What the hell? Can I, that, can I ask you? Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard that with you and, and Doctor Victory. Mm-hmm. Um, what would full approval? Do, if it, you it know would, what I mean. It would reduce like, the vaccine hesitant who keep saying this is an experimental vaccine and not fully approved. There's a, there's a whole host of people out there. So the big problem is not even vaccine hesitancy right now. It's trusting the government. There's so much distrust out there, trusting the medical system, trusting the government. And if you could get full approval, at least you could sort of point at that and go, look, once it crosses that threshold, you, you can trust that. The FDA is – you know. But it doesn't make it any easier when – when Rand Paul and Fauci are um, fighting it out, you know, yeah, I know, fighting it out, and now, and now, Rand Paul is going to file a criminal inquiry. I know. I mean, I know. I, I don't dig it. it. it I don't this think is it's... what we've gone to. I know. I, I know. Well, it's not us. Thank God. Stay out of it. You know what I mean? Let's all no, just right, right, right. You know, I was thinking. It's so funny you say that, Joe, because this morning I was thinking about. Um. Crap, what's his name? Who wrote Candide? Help me, somebody. Um, Voltaire. I was thinking about Voltaire this morning. And at the end of Candide, after this huge, scary adventure, at the end uh, he decides, really, we must just cultivate our gardens, meaning attend to your own life, your own people, your own community. We, We need to do a lot more of that these days. And less, less focusing on a federal government that actually has, should have very little to do with our day and day out lives, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah no, I, I agree. I mean, and hopefully the the one massive lesson we have learned to, for the future, yeah, is that the government needs to butt out of well med- medicine, medical. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I listen. Medicine. Period. Yeah. Right. And 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 quite frankly, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but. I would almost consider the support of defunding any medical industries that are involved with the federal government as well as any company, I, any yeah, pharmaceutical I, I, I'm should sighing, not be allowed 
to yeah. be in Wall Street. I, I'm sighing because this stuff is – I don't see how you unravel some of this stuff. But but the impulse is good, which is don't – cede as little as possible to bureaucrats. Cede as little as possible away from you and a practitioner. That's the unit. That's the only unit we can trust. Joe and his medical practitioner. Anything that is ceded to other authorities is a mess. They're not, not, they're not in a position. They're not clinicians. They're bureaucrats. They are, don't make good risk-reward analysis or have no experience doing it, certainly not for a given individual, and cannot change direction and cannot admit when they're wrong. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. i got to finish up with one more call here. This is uh, John. Hey, John, what's up? Oh, Drew, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was concerned that my brother-in-law might have mental illness, and I wanted to get your take. I um, had heard some warnings about him from family members saying, like, uh, oh, just to let you know, he's very emotional, really emotional guy, and mm. sometimes he takes things the wrong way and has a fit. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant because it was really vague. But then I witnessed one of these fits in person recently. Basically, we are at uh, grandparents' house for dinner, and 87-year-old grandpa, you know, says, hey, that's a big piece of cake you have on your plate. And he's a little overweight, so he got angry and stormed out of the room. But next thing you know, we find him on the floor in the living room crying. Not not crying, like sobbing, uncontrollable sobbing Uh-oh. and saying, uh, everybody hates him. We ruined his life and he wishes he was dead. Yeah, and boy. I guess he goes, he does this a lot, apparently. Well, I, I I wouldn't put that yet, based on what you described, under the umbrella of serious mental illness or SMI just yet. But definitely, he's got some stuff that needs work. So he needs some treatment, right? It's unstable mood, unstable self concept, eating emotionally, all this stuff. Uh, trouble with his relationships, probably depressed. So yes, he needs help. He needs help. But but I wouldn't. I can't put it yet in SMI, serious mental illness. Like I, I don't, you know, we can't necessarily say he's going to become psychotic or he's doing drugs or he's going to become, uh, you know, manic or something. We just, but but it does sound like all that, all that uh, self harm stuff. It kind of sounds like a borderline personality disorder is what it sounds like. And males do get borderline personality. They have very unstable self concept, very unstable mood, extreme difficulty regulating emotions. And a lot of uh, projection of various types. Does that sound like him? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, the parents tried to get him to go to like a psychiatrist, but he he's like uh, very resistant. Uh, oh, you think I'm crazy? I'm not crazy. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Look, look I, I into don't know. I feel- look into dialectical behavioral therapy, uh, DBT. It's called. And and tell him it's a way of improving his relationships because that's the thing borderlines have trouble with is relating people relationships. It's a way of helping borderlines keep other people's mind in mind, uh, and that's something they have trouble with. Uh, so so if I'm right that this sort of borderline stuff, uh, even if it's not, DBT does a lot for a lot of this kind of unstable you know stuff that's going on with this guy. Uh, but he's not crazy. He's not crazy, and he probably doesn't have serious mental illness. And in in all probability, no one suffers more than him, right? Although I'm sure he's unpleasant to be around many times. Does he have a lot of rages and that kind of thing? Yeah, he gets yeah. Uh, so angry that his hands shake. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's never he's never hurt anyone. Yeah, but he does he, he does talk about oh I I should kill myself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, he so, does that a lot. So so if I'm right, that's called borderline rage. 
And again, self-harms, you know, that kind of stuff is very consistent with borderline stuff. So uh, you look up borderline disorder and see if uh, that doesn't kind of fit with his thing. And and even if it isn't, you know, obviously you're not going to make the diagnosis. I'm not going to make the diagnosis, but this has that quality. I'm just saying cases like this. Uh, But he definitely should see somebody and you might be able to persuade him with helping him understand how dialectical behavioral therapy works and uh, what that is. Thanks, John. Good luck with your brother. Thanks, everybody, for uh, – oh, who was the football player, by the way, that wears the green shoes that had a borderline personality disorder? Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall talks a lot about this. Show him Brandon Marshall stuff. He had borderline disorder and uh, can really um, you know, show him that it can happen to anybody. It can happen to a football player. It's, you know, it's, and there's a treatment for it, and Brandon talks about that quite a bit, Brandon Marshall. All right. So anyway, thank you guys for calling in. Thank you for being a part of the show today. We appreciate it. It's fun just once in a while to interact with you guys, and we will kind of continue to do those once every so often. And today is that day. So uh, we appreciate it. And uh, again, uh, we'll see you here for more, and we'll do interviews coming up. And uh, yeah, uh, any, any. by the way, if you have requests for interview or people you'd like to hear me uh, interact with, please do. Where can they send that in, uh, Chris? You can tweet to at Dr. Drew Podcast, or there's contact info at drdrew.com. We'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hey, movie lovers, who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device.